0: Hi, I'm Erica Jarvis.
1: Hi, I'm Amy Randolph. And you're listening to Podcast Rewind. We are two best friends talking hot topics and all of the podcasts that we're totally obsessed with. So come please be our friend on social media. You can find us at podcast RWD on Instagram and Twitter, and then head over to Facebook and search Podcast Rewind. You can listen to our show wherever you're already listening to your favorite podcasts: Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts wherever that is make sure that you rate review and subscribe because we need your stars to keep this show going cheers Cheers. let's talk podcasts
0: hey everybody welcome back to podcast rewind episode 60. i'm one of your hosts Erica Jarvis, back on the mic, getting the yes. rust out with my best friend and co-host, Amy Randolph. Hello, Amy. Hey ya. Yeah. Hey ya.
1: Welcome back. I just have to say real quick that it's our 60th episode, and of course, traditionally, a 60th anniversary may also be known as the diamond anniversary. So this is our diamond show. We are basically royalty. Welcome to our diamond jubilee. We are here to
0: sparkle
1: like diamonds on this Tuesday (laughs) evening. Shine bright
0: like a diamond, as Queen
1: Rihanna would say. As she would say. So how was your day? How
0: are you? I'm good. It's a Tuesday. I saw the eye doctor. I'm feeling fresh. <laughs> I'm seeing better than
1: I ever was, Isn't if I'm that being honest. Isn't amazing how you go to the eye doctor and then even if your prescription doesn't change, you're just so aware Ugh. of your own sight. <laughs> well, we especially really, when like, they made me wow. sit around
0: without contacts in and I'm borderline blind. Right. And they just were like... Head back to the waiting room, and I'm like, "What direction is that? Are you
1: sure about that? What's <laughs> my
0: seeing eye dog?" I was texting with my mom, and just like blew up my text message <laughs> to the size of like grandparents, so the whole waiting room saw. Oh yeah, they totally. I'm like swiping and like. Hope this goes through. I don't know. Yes, yeah. Amy, how are you? How was your
1: Tuesday? It's good. It was a Tuesday. It is the Tuesday before the day before vacation. Yes, obviously everyone understood that. <sighs> ah, so I am just just right on the tip of checking out completely uh-huh. mentally and it feels great. So what's the vacation? We you and I both are going on vacation yep. this weekend. We're going over to St. Petersburg to do some reggae music. And listening. for those wondering,
0: it is the Florida St. Petersburg. Oh yeah, not, not the, the Russian.
1: Russian one. I don't think there's a lot of reggae fests in Russia, if I had to take a guess. I, and I don't think anybody was actually questioning. <laughs> I just just putting it out there. Yes. Here's another thing I want to put out there. We haven't done a show in a month. Yep. So, we're back. The podcast is running around behind me. She's back. We're all here. Yay. I am so looking forward to talking to you over uh, our microphones again and I'm really looking forward to an exciting upbeat show um but I do want to be uh, transparent. transparent yeah and I want to share that we haven't podcasted in a month yep um uh, because uh, you've been so gracious and understanding and also just uh there was no way around it yeah um I had a major event in my life and um Tragically, my dad passed away. He, did. he passed away at the end of last month. So I have been in my precious home state of Michigan mm-hmm. um, for the majority of the last month um, dealing with that situation. Um, it was it was unexpected. And yeah. It was really sad. And I couldn't be more thankful for the people in my life that helped me get through. And I do need to point out that my mother has been the mother of all podcast the mother of all podcast has let me know explicitly (laughs) that she is ready for her wednesday morning entertainment back so it was definitely time to get back here on the mics yeah pump out a show if nobody but for sandy randolph and maybe a little bit for chuck randolph too yeah the podcast and i missed you
0: so much which is why it's only appropriate that we go straight into the drink of the week and cheers to
1: Chuck Randolph with a beer. That's right. The man loved a beer. He loved an IPA. And so tonight, um, mixing up our Florida and Michigan backgrounds, we're having Sweetwater IPA. Absolutely. Sweetwater,
0: Florida beer. Am I making shit up? You're kind of making shit up if I'm being honest. I got carried away. I feel like it's is this? this is it's from Georgia, which is basically oh. next door. And you guys used to go to Tybee Island all the time, True which is in Georgia. Story. Full circle. Nailed it. Did it, it again. That cheers um. felt really good, if hey. I'm being honest. Cheers for Chuck, man. Exactly. We also both accidentally got the same IPA from like the gas station. <laughs> what can we you do? Happens so frequently <laughs> when we're podcasting. It's like, what gas station am I near that I could just go get? Some alcohol of sorts to drink with on the podcast.
1: I do have to say that having spent three weeks in Mm -hmm. Michigan, look, Michigan does beer. Yeah, I do. And in Michigan, like the entire there's an entire grocery store aisle dedicated to beer and the like domestic. Is like an end cap, and the rest is all the gorgeous, delicious yes. beers that we make in Michigan, and that we support drinking from other states. Yeah. And so, you know, my my mom, as we've talked about, um, they they have a house in Leesburg. They were they were looking to retire there. Mom will be down here in in short order. But when she spent some couple months in that Leesburg house, she's been bitching about the availability yes. of craft beer here in Florida, and I've lived here for so long now, I'm like, Mom, come on, don't be so, like, yes. um, I don't know, the princessy, <laughs> <laughs> persnickety about it, but having gone back and experienced it firsthand for quite a while, uh. um, she's right. <laughs> Mom's always it's right. Like you were
0: sending me some
1: photos, and I was like,
0: okay, I get
1: it. Calm down. <laughs> beer I get is your better beer is North. so much better. They have to deal with the snow, so uh, better beer is required drinking when you're right? stuck inside I mean, by there's the very
0: few things we can make, alcoholically speaking, here in Florida. We're just starting to get into beer. Wine is...
1: No. Should it happen? It must have done is
0: garbage. It's disgusting. It's garbage it's a garbage grape. But we're starting to get in distillery, so it's like, great. Nobody can really fuck up a vodka at the end of the day. Put it in a Bloody Mary and a shrimp and a beef jerky exactly. skewer,
1: and I'm a happy girl. I just have to say that I know that we're going to have to title this episode something Diamonds, but I really wish we could call it Garbage Grape. <laughs> Episode 60
0: Podcast Rewind Garbage Grape. I wish you guys all understood how we like, after we record, we go back and edit, we do show notes, and we sit there for minutes on end and we're like, should we What's call this it called? this? What about this? This is really funny. Yeah, well, that was a six second throwaway <laughs> moment. We can't call the whole episode garbage grape. I don't know, man. We <laughs> maybe we can. Maybe we can. Probably not. What Amy wants, Amy sometimes yeah. gets. So, Amy. With all that being said, is there anything that's you know been going on in the last month that you're just deeply obsessed with that you've gotta get out to the listeners? There is
1: so much, because right. I haven't talked to rewinders in so long. I know. I have missed telling you guys what I'm obsessed with. I gotta, I'm gonna go with number one, and that is finally last week we saw the fence jump we were all waiting for on the bachelor yes it has been a rocky season of the bachelor you guys you know i'm ride or die bachelor nation so i stick with it no matter what but colton gave us some good (laughs) shit last week when that man hopped an eight foot probably fence in one fell swoop and i am obsessed
0: oh that was so good i even was like I gotta watch that on YouTube. I'm not diehard. It depends on the lead. I mean,
1: if ABC has shown it to me no less than 15 times, oh, and I'm God. not over it. Not over it. He's <laughs> never been
0: sexier, be- and he's not a sexy man. No, he so doesn't know about fact- sex.
1: No, he does not know about sex.
0: Just ask Chris Harrison. He won't stop talking about this man's virginity. It's borderline offensive. It's like, a little- get a hobby, Harrison. If
1: it were a woman, ABC would be canceled.
0: Oh by my him. God, for sure. So I'm gonna continue on the line of TV, because uh-huh. it's been. In a word that you love to say, delicious. Delicious. What has? I'm I'm bouncing back and forth. I'll get to the other one later. But girlfriend abducted in plain sight on Netflix. Oh, my God. Thank you so much. No show has given us the memes we deserve since making a murderer, also, of the Netflix genre. Yes. This documentary about Jan Broberg getting (laughs) kidnapped twice. twice, By the same guy. By her parents same lover, it's just mind-boggling. You can't wrap your brain around it. I bitched to you and Beth that you guys had to see it. Mm -hmm. And I understood that you were busy, but I was like, girl, this is going to take your mind off of some things. And I would tell everybody, I told my mom, I told a bunch of friends who have children, they're like, I cannot watch a show about a kidnapping. I'm like, yeah, you can. This will not make you feel sad about a kidnapping or anything. You're more jaw on the ground. Mom, what the fuck are you
1: doing? Why are you letting your daughter get I know. kidnapped? Nice! You guys get V to, <laughs> to Netflix. And stream abducted in plain sight. Oh my god, it's the, so good.
0: In the words of Stefan from SNL that you were sharing with me, this documentary has everything: <laughs> kidnapping, aliens, Mexico, Mormons. Mormons. <laughs> and RV. <laughs> a hand job in a car. It's, it's a fire. It's Something for the whole family oh, it really is something for the whole family. <laughs> I wish I could have seen this with my father to hear him screaming <laughs> oh, because okay, yeah, the way my dad can watch a TV show and be like, "Whoa!" <laughs> it would have been like I would have popped popcorn and watched
1: him watch it. Fabulous. So, yes. Um, I have another TV obsession. Yes. Can we just keep going? Of course. Okay. Great. Where are we go? You guys, Roni's back. It is Real Housewives of New York City debuted last week, and it's the gift Andy Cohen bestowed upon us for the 11th season is starting so strong with like Tinsley not knowing how to put her Bentley that her boyfriend (laughs) mailed her in reverse. Um, Just, it just, it's so good. I love that show so dearly. It is the juggernaut of the Bravo television channel, which I, you know, love everything on Bravo anyway. Also, Summer House is back and I'm jazzed about season three. My cousin messaged me today like a gif
0: of Kyle and she's like, holy shit, is it back? Did I miss it? And I was like, you did. They weren't
1: they're not pushing that one hard enough. Yeah, well they not getting I think they know that they fucked up season two so hard yeah. that I think they're hoping that it'll like organically catch back on season three because the cast is so different too. They it fought, really is they really cleaned house and came back with all the- and fresh that's why they
0: almost should have done more commercials and like pushing it because Yeah, maybe I was meh last season, but I yeah. watched even I watched the preview and I gave up on season two and was like, ooh. I might be back in. Mm -hmm. And we talked about a podcast, um, Burning in Hell, with Hannah Burner, Burns or something, who is on the show. Who's on the show, and she's really funny on a podcast, so I'm excited to give that one a go. Sweet. Um, What else are you obsessed with? Well, two things. One, my favorite baker on Kids Baking Championship won last night. Spoiler alert, Paige. I love it when that happens. I love when that happens. Paige looks like a tiny Samantha Brown. (gasps) So cute. She is the stinking cutest thing ever, and you get 12 kids with major personalities that are fit for television and they're innocent and funny and pure but then they're like oh I've got this great shortbread cookie recipe it's like (laughs) you're 11 do you know how to ride a bike without training wheels (laughs) like I'm not sure what your skill set is but um my favorite little girl won last night and it was so cute they were asking all like the final three what will you do with your money if you win because they get $25,000 and a spread in Food Network magazine. That's a chunk so of So one girl was like, I'm going to buy a kitty and, like, a kitty condo for it. Aww. And another guy was like, oh, I'm going to travel to Paris. I'm like, you're 12. Go away, Davis. And little Paige, the winner, was so sweet. And this is when you knew she had kind of clinched the win. Mm-hmm. She was like, well, I'm going to give a good chunk of the money to the Arthritis Foundation. I have juvenile arthritis. Aww. And you just give back. They've done so much for me. And then maybe I'll buy a new stand mixer. <laughs> <And> like, <laughs> she just had my... Heart. I was so happy. I stayed up late last night watching Cute. it because I had to finish it. But I mean, I'm going to say quickly, Leaving Neverland, the new documentary, yeah. has rocked me. It's a two-part, four-hour-long docuseries on HBO with um, Wade Robeson and Jimmy. Jimmy Safechuck who are coming out and accusing Michael Jackson of some really fucking disgusting
1: things. And, and, and look, they've got some pretty convincing stories their stories match I'm I'm not questioning at all that it happened but it is fascinating and terrifying yeah so about it
0: if you enjoyed Abduct in plain sight and saw how the parents were so deeply manipulated if you have the stomach for it move on to leaving neverland you continue to see the manipulation of parents when it comes to this kind of pedophilia um the show took me a couple of weeks to finish Mm
1: -hmm. because
0: it's so deeply intense and then there's a great Oprah after the show. Who doesn't love to see Oprah? I, love I mean, her. anytime I can invite the O into my life, I will. Hang there's a podcast. Oh, that too. Uh, <laughs> universe. <laughs> That's what she said. Universe. Um, but anyway, so much great TV. Like you mentioned, we're going to a reggae fest this weekend. Yeah. That's at the top of my bucket list of obsessions of the week getting away, out of town, listening to some reggae oh, music, yeah.
1: smelling the sweet smells of reggae. And well and we'll be in be the there. ocean. So yeah. that's that ocean breeze too. Ugh. and also St. Patrick's Day is yes. Sunday, so I don't know. We might drink some green beer and and oh. uh, hopefully be visited by a leprechaun. But, and
0: I recently dyed my hair red, so I will look right. even more
1: Irish. You abs- you know what, you guys, she's rocking her red hair. Thank Check you. out her Instagram at Erica Jarvis for Thank some you. hot aerial vibes.
0: Appreciate it. I'm good thing about bobs.
1: You already talked about I don't know. Let's move on. Okay. <laughs> um, so we mentioned it's our diamond anniversary it of is. podcasting in the sense that we've managed to get to 60 shows, even <laughs> though we seem to skip more weeks than we're on. <laughs> but we've managed to make it to 60. And so we thought, how appropriate to talk about diamonds. Absolutely. The rocks, why they're important to us, what you know makes us so obsessed, especially as women, with diamonds. And um, maybe a little bit of mystery conspiracy theory.
0: Absolutely. Um, So the diamond is associated with the 60th anniversary. Yes. Thanks to Queen Victoria who celebrated her diamond jubilee.
1: Oh, is that
0: why? There's a reason. There is a full reason why this is the 60th. So back in the day, from a royalty perspective, your diamond jubilee happened at your 75th. And Queen Victoria was like, no, no. Move it up. Mama likes Diamonds. Not so, sure to make it? I think so. So that's kind of how that all started to play into the the number 60 and Diamond. So okay. if a movie like Dumbo comes out of the vault and it's a 60th anniversary, it's the Diamond Edition – and everything 60 is diamonds.
1: Yes. So, and also Queen Elizabeth II had her 60th Diamond Jubilee just, just a recently, couple right? years ago. But here's what I thought it was more related to marriage anniversaries. You know, like the old tradition of year one is paper, mm-hmm. year five is like nickel or something, and then you get into year 10 is silver, year 20. I'll let you know when I'm married your 25 years. is gold, year 50, I think, is platinum. 50 is gold. 50 is gold? Yes. Oh, yes. Um, But then (laughs) 60 is diamond. Diamond. So it
0: has to do with, like, that's just anniversaries in general. So whether it's marriage or how long you've been queen. Your anniversary of being queen can be X amount of years. So you said she coined the 60 being the diamond. It kind of became associated when she moved it up from 75 years to 60. And as it goes, oftentimes with royalty. They kind of just... Make the new law
1: by how they behave. They're in charge. They, in charge. they are in charge. They are in charge. So diamonds have been around, though, I was reading, since potentially like the 4th, four 4,000th 4, century BC. Uh-huh. And then, um, like, they've always been known to be a rare rock. And now we're going to get into how rare really are they. Yeah. But definitely, like, in the old times, in um, Greek and Roman times... The royalty wore them as signs of strength and um, importance and protection. They thought that diamonds would protect them. And what we do know for sure is that diamond is the strongest material on earth. Yeah. The only thing that can scratch up a diamond is, is another a diamond. diamond, which is just fucking rad. You're so
0: baller. That is you're like, so literally, baller. nothing
1: can hurt me other than another diamond. I, I am the only thing that can hurt me. Right? I am the captain now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Like, that's really pretty fucking rad. Um, I read today that the first time a diamond symbolized an engagement ring was in 1477. Crazy. it was, you know, Mr. Fancy Pants of uh, English royalty gives it to Mrs. Be My Bride. Mrs. Other Um, Fancy Pants. But, you know, diamonds as engagement rings didn't really repopulize, um, at least in America, until like the 1920s, right? Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, people were getting married before that, and I've always heard before too that I think it was the ancient Romans would wear a ring, not necessarily a diamond ring, but because uh, they believe that left like finger on your that third finger on your left hand, they believe has like a uh, vein that goes straight into the heart, so it's supposed to be like a physical symbol of your heart beating under this ring for somebody else. So the tradition of like sharing rings for weddings has been pretty old, but, like, the diamond solitaire engagement ring is really a pretty new commonality. And now, if you look at 2019, like, when somebody gets married, you throw, like, huge fucking, you know, balloons in the shape of rings, and everything is, you know, cocktail napkins have rings on them. Emojis. Emojis. Like, everything is that diamond ring. It's, like, are you, you're, literally, people are, like, you can't tell somebody that you're engaged if you're not wearing a rock. They're like, are you, though? He didn't buy you a diamond, so are you really engaged? Like, Is he really into this? Did we all
0: see J-Lo's ice skating rink on her hand from A-Rod? Oh, My Lee. friend
1: Nicole had the audacity, uh-huh. the audacity. The audacity. To say it was ugly. I don't think it's pretty. It's I don't, I don't solitaire. Like the, I don't like the square rock. It, Okay, but if <laughs> somebody gave you a million
0: dollar diamond <laughs> fucking ring, you would be like, not my shape,
1: babe. Nothing's... A-Rod. Babe. babe. No, I totally get it, of course. Because well, they like, can't
0: make that in... That has to be a solitaire. That's a big fucking hunk of diamond. Right. That can't be a circle.
1: And exactly. J-Lo's not going to lift her hand. <laughs> so, we were... Uh, it's like, you know, it's like he doesn't really love you unless he's willing to spend all of his money on yeah. this, like, clear rock yes. for you to wear on your hand. When, when you say it like that, of course it's preposterous, <laughs> but this is our culture. We're just living in it. Exactly. Exactly.
0: um You talked about, like, this big clear rock. So I think a majority of people know that when it comes to a diamond, there's the four C's yes. that we care about. It's the clarity. what's the kind of You know, how clear is it? The carrot weight colour. Color. And color. I was trying yes. to do it in my Oh, head. I was I like you were pointing at me. I was like, what's I happening? I know,
1: I'm sorry, I was trying to
0: count. It's okay. Yeah, and like and from colors you could get white, yellow, pink, black, brown. I mean, right. there's a variety of color
1: of diamonds. Which I feel like is newish. I feel yeah. like first of all, everything was about having the white I mean, the color conversation up until Benefer to yes. speak Speaking of JLo's of. engagement rings. Everybody had a white rock and it was like the whiter the better. You yeah. know if you could look into a woman's diamond and see a little fleck, then it's a piece of shit diamond. Yes. But I think it was um, Ben, which of the Ben's uh, I can do it. Affleck yes. <laughs> when he proposed to Jennifer Aniston with that can, kin- <laughs> canary, <laughs> Jennifer Lopez. I said Jennifer Aniston. <laughs> when he, he pro- wishes, he, right. If only she was Brad's at that time. I think. When he proposed to Jennifer Lopez back in the day with that canary diamond all of a sudden, colored diamonds were the thing. Yeah. It's so crazy. And then pink diamonds, and then like gold diamonds. Mm-hmm. And now Jared is selling chocolate, chocolate diamonds. Which is brown. That's called a spade a spade. Right. Like that's very, that much seems like um, anti yes. heroes. Like, how do you get brown to sparkle? No thanks. Not for me. No thanks, me. A-Rod. No, definitely not. The black diamonds I have seen, and they are pretty stunning, the way that they can really, like, catch and glitter. Yeah, absolutely. But what did you find out? So you have really been the researchologist <laughs> into, like, the whole industry. Yeah. Inner workings of the diamond industry. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. So I listened to a handful of podcasts,
0: and, you know, real quickly, like, what is a diamond? It's, it's carbon. And it's been yeah. pressurized, and now it's... Shines like the top of the Chrysler building. So thank you, science. Yeah. You
1: know? And the the earth made
0: it. The earth made it. So I listened to a cool podcast called Wow in the World from Uh NPR with host Guy Raz and Mindy Thomas. I listened to episode It's Raining Diamonds from September 4th, 2017. This is clearly a science podcast geared towards children. Oh, cool. And so they really talked a lot about, like, where in the world is it raining diamonds? We think they're so rare, but on Uranus and Neptune. And they call, call him Uranus
1: Uranus. I think that's correct. Is Uranus better than Uranus? Well, I like my anus. Sure. Um, Congrats. You said oh. where in the world is it raining diamonds. Did they actually say, like, where in the universe? <laughs> no. <laughs> or where in the galaxy? Oh, no, Where in the solar system? This is all
0: my world, <laughs> if I'm being honest with you. We don't know where it ends and where it begins. Sure um, and so they talk about how those two planets – Literally rains diamonds due to the cold and the pressure in their atmosphere being so full of hydrogen and carbon. Just because you imagine going outside and it is just literally raining diamonds by the fistful. Uh, that's fine by me. Right? So I thought that was kind of cool just to like give a podcast shout out to something that was very sciencey for kids. Right. Like I think that's great in the car line. Exactly.
1: Now, but let's say you were in a place that was raining diamonds. And yeah. So you just had like a bucket full of diamonds. Here's the thing, you, Erica Jarvis, trying to sell diamonds would make basically nothing. Yeah. It is next to impossible to resell an existing diamond that you have. It's like you have to go to a store and pay retail price for a diamond. And that, well, that's what the industry makes you think. Yeah. And I can tell you from personal experience that if you have, say, a wedding set, <laughs> you no longer want anymore, but you know what it's worth, and you're trying to resell it and make any cash, good fucking luck. Nobody's going to offer you any money for that thing. Well, it's like it, a new car. You drive it off the lot. doesn't and matter anymore. It's donezo. In,
0: in fact, what those jewelers want is the gold off of that diamond ring. They don't want the diamond, and here's why. Mm-hmm. So I listen to a podcast, Sofa King Podcast. <laughs> Clever name. self king And episode 302 was called De Beers and the Ultimate Monopoly. Now, De Beers, hopefully, should sound pretty familiar. That's, like, a major diamond company in the world. Yes. And so, this July 1st, 2018 episode was all about the monopoly that the De Beers company has on diamonds. Quick sidebar? Sure. Listening to this 82-minute podcast was a journey and a roller coaster. I got a lot of conversation between these three gentlemen about their blue balls. Was your patience their, tested? Their, their opinions on cleavage.
1: Do they like side cleavage? Center cleavage. That's just cleavage. It's just all cleavage, and y'all. Then it's side boob and under boob. Come on, guys. <laughs> right.
0: Um But for all of that, man, did they have a lot of information, and I learned a lot. So um, De Beers basically has a monopoly on diamonds in the world. There are 6 billion uncut diamonds they sell
1: yearly. Okay. That's a lot. So they control 90% of the uncut diamond market. So making sure that I have it, De Beers isn't going to sell you a K engagement ring. No. Nope. Like they're not going to sell you the setting and do the advertising. They have just rocks that they picked up off the ground. Yep. And they have a lock on getting those rocks. Yes. And they're going to sell them to people who are then going to cut them into jewelry. Exactly. Their whole
0: concept was basically convincing them in the world that the diamonds are scarce, while they've been owning a majority of the diamond mines in the world. And like you said, selling them to other people to then go back to America, to their K jeweler, you know, the diamond district in Manhattan and cut them up, make a diamond earring and keep on going. Right. So um, like you mentioned, diamonds have kind of been around forever, but they were considered to be rare until about the late 1800s. There were two farmers in South Africa that found a crazy amount of diamonds and just like, A huge hole in the middle of their farm, Mm -hmm. and basically had a huge diamond mine—the largest that right? the largest anyone had found up until that point. And now the farmer's last name, De Beers. De Beers. And now they are not the family that owns the De Beers, which is crazy. How this whole just the farmer's name That is interesting. Yes, so um, it was in the Orange River in South Africa where all of this was found, and a New York businessman. Went to, <coughs> sorry, went to Africa with money from a very rich family, the Rothschilds. So Cecil Rhodes heads out to Africa and realizes he needs to kind of figure out how to own this diamond mine, right? By just showing up from New York. So he has a lot of mining equipment, kind of gets in, starts selling mining equipment to everybody in town at skyrocket prices. But they're making a ton of money because they've got all these diamonds. And slowly but surely,
1: everybody becomes in debt to this guy from owning or renting his equipment. Right. So the diamond miners who are, who are they selling the diamonds to and making this money? Are they selling them back to the De Beers farmers who are selling them to the Rothschilds? No. So the De Beers find
0: this hole, this hole in the river. Right. And then other people are like, holy crap, there's diamonds everywhere and other families start coming out of the woodwork trying to mine the river on their land, not knowing that they had diamonds.
1: Right, but who were they selling the diamonds to to make the So in the money? 1800s, they didn't really say, but okay, probably sorry. jewelers
0: around the world. I mean, you're thinking like late 1800s. Like, things right. are still up and we don't have cars yet, really. Not so much documentation, you're saying? Not so much documentation. Got it. So, um, at this time, they found the Star of South Africa, which is an 83.5 carat diamond Very near cool. Hopetown. Mm-hmm. And so, um, that's kind of how this all starts. So Cecil's there, he's seen all these diamonds, and they're trying to figure out, like, how can we own this? So in his business way, he basically owns all of this land after a while by kind of pushing people out from debt, and just has all these diamonds and starts this company with the Rothschilds back in New York, and it just continues to grow and grow and grow, and they named the company De Beers. Right. And so that's the company we see today that started out of this, like, late 1800 mining in South Africa. Mm -hmm. So what's really crazy is now the De Beers company operates out of Europe, and they only sell diamonds, their raw, uncut diamonds to 80 people in the entire world. Now, okay. these 80 people and merchants then go back to America, South America, Italy, all over, and right. then sell those diamonds to the K Jewelers of the world. Sure. Diamond daddies, I'm going to call them. I <laughs> like that. Um, <laughs> To get into this group of 80 people, you can't just be rich and decide you want to be a jeweler. It has to be like, oh, selling jewelry has been in my family for generations. You sure. have to be deep into the jewelry industry for the De Beers company to let you in. To fuck with you. Basically. So now here's where it gets really fucked up even more. Four times a year, you either go to London or Antwerp. Is that okay? So then
1: like Let's move on.
0: No, I that. So, yeah, what you do is you basically send probably an email off to the company and say, Hey, I'll be in London for the spring, you know, transaction. I need X amount of diamonds. I need, you know, 10, 10 carrots, 20, 20 carrots, and I'll deal with them with what I will. You mail away basically for your diamonds. So, then when you get to like London for your, uh, you know, purchase, And so, by the way, guys, this is really creepy mobby, and it's a really strange way to wrap your head around what they do with these 80 merchants. Right. You basically go into a room. You've put in your order.
1: You get a a locked box. They kind of close off the door. You (laughs) unlock your box. I was going to say, there's definitely handcuffs and metal boxes involved in this transaction. You can
0: just see how it's going through. And armed guards. Uh Uh-huh. You open up the box, and if for the last year or since the last order... The De Beers company feels like you have been doing well, you have been appropriately selling diamonds, you haven't been going rogue, they'll give you your order and you purchase it. But if for some reason the De Beers company hears that you've been doing some shady business, they will give you what they think you deserve and it might be just diamond chips. (gasps) But you must pay for it and accept it. Pay for your full order Mm -hmm. or pay for what they've they've given you. You can't be like, oh, I didn't order this. I want to go.
1: They could just uh, give you a box of shit and you go, thank you, and you leave. It's Mm -hmm. sort of like the Santa's naughty or nice list, I feel like. Like, if you're naughty, you get coal. Mm -hmm. If you're nice, you get 20-carat uncut diamonds. Yeah.
0: I mean, they decide what they want to give you. Then they're a monopoly. They own 90%. So if they find out... That you are reselling other diamonds and you're kind of doing shady business, they will let you know what that box. Naughty list. Naughty list, for sure. Which is why the De Beers does not truly operate in America. They're not allowed to operate in America. They are in Europe, but they sell to these merchants who come to America. Because they're a monopoly. Because they're a monopoly. Because they have all of the mines. Is that right? Majority of it. And in fact, it also oddly goes back to World War II. Mm-hmm. So... Weird fact, diamonds are used in the making of weapons.
1: Yeah, like
0: diamond barrel, if I can... Whatever. Sure, sure. So, De Beers in America had, and all of our allies in World War II had a really great system going. They would sell us diamonds at a cheap cost so we could make weapons. It was found out that, through amazing U.S. intel, <laughs> Germany had like 6 million diamonds or something like that to make their weapons because they were sneaking into diamond mines owned by De Beers. So America, like, they um, knocked on the, and the door and was like, hey, y'all, close that diamond mine. Don't let Germany in. And De Beers was like, ah, not our game, man. Not our sorry, fight. Y'all you do know, you. You do you. And America said, come to America again and we'll arrest you at the airport. Which is why most people who work in the De Beers Corporation cannot come to America. We call that border security. Border security, y'all. So it's crazy. But diamond people can't come. (laughs) Right? Never mind. I'm not going to make jokes about immigration. (laughs) No, it's not our place. That's not this episode. (laughs) Not today. But diamonds are not rare. You can find them everywhere. So De Beers created this whole concept of scarcity and how rare they are. So you wouldn't want to sell your grandmother's diamond. And it's not really worth anything because there are so many diamonds in the back that we can keep using. Ultimately, yeah. And it is this insane business monopoly that has, from an advertising perspective, convinced us
1: of such crazy things. Well, yeah. It's definitely convinced, like I was kind of alluding to earlier, that like you have to have this very rare, very expensive yes. diamond Um, in order to prove physically that you and your partner are in love with each other. But like seriously, there are so many diamonds. It's just the fact that they have monopolized these mines and they control the market and they control the pricing and they jack it up and there's nothing we can do. But it also feels so dirty and wrong and a man would be so shamed if he went on eBay and bought his fiance a used engagement ring and then there's all this talk of like bad juju and stuff. Which by the way, ultimately my wedding set, which I no longer wanted was sold on ebay at about half of what we were told it's worth yeah
0: and there's really no bad juju that comes with it those are the things that came through advertising campaigns they're just rocks and gold like there's no rocks and gold. there's nothing attached and to it and in fact De Beers has no attachment to it we talked earlier about all of the different colors of diamonds and a couple years ago when chocolate diamonds became really popular De Beers goes through their mind and just starts hacking away until they can find all the chocolate diamonds. Even if that means ruining a 10-carat crystal clear diamond in the process, not a big deal. They'll find another one There's later. More. There's more.
1: They don't care. Why should we? I was also reading today that India and Russia actually have giant diamond mines. In mm-hmm. fact, Russia's may be the largest in the world, but you always hear and it always feels like diamonds come from Africa.
0: Yeah, and it's great that you bring up Russia because the Russian mines that work with De Beers were like, hey, through their process of mining, we have all these tiny little diamonds. We don't know what to do with them. So in partnering with the De Beers company, they were like, you know what? We could make one ring, just cover it in those tiny little chips. Let's call it, we'll call it the forever ring. Or the, infinity the infinity band, band and um, your husband doesn't love you after ten years, and he hasn't gotten you the infinity band, or that engagement ring looks hideous without an infinity band next to it, and convince the American or uh, convince people to buy these rings at such high cost, yeah. just so they could get rid of the
1: chips that were laying around on the ground, and then it becomes fashion, yep. like you know, my set had micro pave diamonds mm-hmm. all around what the main solitaire. Yeah. Was and I still see that trend in women who are getting engagement rings now. That micro pave, especially that infinity look with the band, yep. you know the the diamonds all the way on the inside of the yep. finger, is still popular because it looks it's sparklier, uh-huh. makes you look more and better. But really, they just had a bunch of unusable <sighs> little diamond chips, yes. and they found a way to make it fashion and sell it to us. And now they're marking it up even higher. Is oh, what's happening? You're getting a ring
0: that maybe has half a carat of diamonds in it. And they're like, that's twenty nine thank you so much
1: meanwhile they literally swept that up off the floor oh my god so what's interesting is that not the pop the popularity of diamonds is not diminishing at all but millennials are becoming of age where they're looking to buy diamonds and millennials spend their money with a social conscience in a way that generations prior to did not so this huge rise in popularity of lab ground diamonds Mm -hmm. is happening. In fact, I was reading something today that was even two years ago. Lab diamonds were like, 30% 30% more expensive than they are now because they were hard to sell.
0: Yeah. And now that
1: they're easier to sell, they already cost about 30% less than they yeah. did a couple years ago. Um, again, with the stigma, like I was saying, of buying a resold diamond, I think that originally when you would start to hear about lab-grown diamonds or any lab-grown yeah. gemstone, you know, like a, a cubic zirconia, I think, still has a stigma to it, but a lab-grown actual diamond, which is just pressed carbon, yeah. right? Still had some stigma to it and may still to some some people. The dignitary. But I do think it's becoming way more accepted. In fact, a girl in my office just got engaged over New Year's Eve. Uh-huh. And so like the first week of January, she was going around showing her rock to everybody and proudly said, it's lab grown. I know this is completely cruelty, conflict free, and awesome. it's big and it's beautiful. Well, they totally to, said it. And it's, she's probably about eight, nine years younger than us, so fully a millennial. Yeah, that's that's true, millennial. <laughs> Good call. Mm-hmm. Um, the,
0: actually, lab-grown diamonds have a higher clarity content than any other diamond really does. It's true. It. It's just diamond powder uh-huh. in a carbon tank, heated up to about 1,800 degrees, and it's just compressed, and that powder turns in on itself, and the clarity is some of the highest clarity you can find in a diamond. So do you want the shiniest ring, or a ring that you can say, "Mm, I don't really know how well this got here. Right. And it's a little muddy, but but it's it's a a real legit diamond diamond because it came out of a a
1: volcano 10,000 years ago. So the one thing we really haven't touched on much is like the cruelty and conflict Problem yeah. with diamonds that we've all well known about. There was a movie that came out two thousand eight, two thousand nine. It's called Blood Diamond. I saw it. I know you didn't. No, it's horrific and really opened my eyes to what goes on. And frankly, I haven't seen it in so many years. I don't want to try to like desecrate it by yeah. telling it wrong. But excuse me, a little <clears throat> IPA burp. Excuse me. <laughs> um But you know those countries like Africa. South- yeah. Well. I'm sorry, that is a continent. South Africa is a country, country, but I think Namibia has the the most diamonds. Oh, okay. Um, I listened to the podcast Stuff You Should Know from Love. How Stuff Works Network. They had an episode from several years ago, like 2015, I think, called How Diamonds Work. And they mentioned that basically every continent besides North America has a bunch of diamonds, and it's usually that diamond mind is usually um, like in the kind of center of the continent. If you oh. think about it, the way that the land grew on Earth over time, the yeah. most pressurized points probably would be found in the middle. So, like, the middle of Africa, you know, Russia, even though it's not completely separated from the continent of Asia, is so dense there and so cold. That makes sense. India has great um, diamond mines. But anyway, going back to the point of we all feel like diamonds all come from Africa because I feel like that's what we've always been told. yeah, Um, There is a giant humanitarian issue associated with the mining of diamonds, and it's so... I don't know. It's tough to know what's real and what's yeah. not and how close blood diamond is to real life. But I know for me personally, like it gives me the heebie-jeebies about buying diamonds. And yeah. so I kind of like having this option of knowing somebody in a white coat grew this in Same. a lab somewhere. And I know nobody lost a finger over it.
0: Yeah. If I can't tell the difference between something you grew in a lab versus somebody, think someone slaved over getting out of a cave, I'll take the lab one. I even think When it comes to my fingers crossed eventual engagement um, (laughs) to the boyfriend I don't have, now that I know so much about the diamond industry, it's like, well, my birthstone's aquamarine. Give me a five-carat aquamarine on my finger, and I think Mm -hmm. I could figure out what to do
1: with my life. I literally love opals. You So do. much. I have my whole life. And I love pearls. Yeah. Like, I would happily wear an opal or a pearl ring, but it's like the social stigma uh-huh. of, you know, people would look at me and be like, wow, her fiancé's cheap as shit. That makes me feel like I need to wear a diamond. But yeah, I think opals are prettier. Yeah. And, I
0: mean, it was De Beers that came up with the whole campaign back in the day, having a hard time selling diamonds, that diamonds are forever. And this whole whole advertisement kicked up back in the heyday when advertisement truly was important and you weren't listening to an Instagram influencer about what to purchase, they convinced us that you had to have a diamond ring for an engagement or it didn't count. And then it was like, they're the ones that said two weeks salary and now it's grown to three months. months. Oh yeah, you're right. To three months for a salary for Mm -hmm. a ring. And it's like, that makes me really rethink a lot of things like budgetarily, like Give me a great big rock. Maybe it doesn't have to be from Africa. Maybe it can be lab-grown. Maybe it can be a different color, you know what I mean? Like I said, or an emerald or something, and let's take that money and get a sick house, or let's go on vacation to Europe for three weeks. Like, I could figure out what to do with that money, and anybody who could question me,
1: I'll show them my photos of me and my husband in Tuscany for a month. Heck are you, Susan? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So, okay, look. So, while you were like studying up on all this De Beers and the inside of the diamond industry, I had been spending my time studying a specific diamond. Which one? The Hope Diamond, of course. Yes, one of what is currently America's national treasures. Not us. Uh, Or the podcast rewind. The Olsen ones? right next to the Hope Diamond. (laughs) These our pictures are in the Smithsonian. Double checking. uh, Being guarded right now by an armed guardman. No, that's not true. But the Hope Diamond (laughs) is being guarded in the Smithsonian as we speak, and. I got really like down a deep rabbit hole of learning about the Hope Diamond today because what I didn't know is that there is a curse associated with the Hope Diamond. I love a good curse, honestly. Right, so this plucked up my little true crime heartstrings. Of course. And so I had to get all into it. So um, here's what I know about the Hope Diamond. The lore is that back in the 1600s, This big 115 carat blue diamond um, was known about folklore, was in a Hindu statue somewhere in India. It is an Indian diamond. We do know that. And this like diamond dude, Jean-Baptiste (laughs) Tavernay, broke in and stole the diamond wow. and therefore a curse was put out by this like ancient Hindu yeah, god that I was like that. super pissy about him like robbing his tomb, right? So then Jean-Baptiste returns to his homeland, France, and sells it to King Louis the XIV, mm-hmm. who King Louis the Fourteenth was a really like extravagant guy. He's the one that you see in like old photos. He loved to wear heels and tights because yes. he thought he had sexy legs. <laughs> Um, Get it. So then King Louis XIV, it remains in the French monarchy as part of their crown jewels for many generations, all the way till King Louis Sixteenth and his wife Marie Antoinette of Let Them Be Cake. Phase. Yes. Now, I should say, I think I mentioned that when it was stolen from the Hindu, a curse was laid upon the diamond, supposedly, and... John or King John paptiste met a, a bad end. I'm sorry, I'm like messing around with the papers. Um, he died, and he was eaten by wolves. Then King oh, Louis okay. the Fourteenth died of gangrene, which Oof. I guess is a real bad way to go. Yes. Then King Louis the Sixteenth and his wife Marie Antoinette were overtaken in the French Revolution and had their heads chopped off. Mm-hmm. And they had been the latest owners of what was now called the French Blue. So oh. this 115-carat diamond that was stolen by Jean Baptiste had been cut down into a slightly smaller diamond and set into jewelry, and it was called the French Blue. Okay. And, like, all of France knew about it. Bleu, that's the French would say. The, the French <laughs> Blue. French bleu. Bleu. Um, And so then, after the French Revolution, like – There's this lore on this diamond now, like, it's bad luck because it was stolen in the first place from these Hindu gods. And it disappears after the French Revolution for about 20 years and shows back up in London. And then that's when it becomes the hope diamond. It gets cut down again and set into the way we see it now, the circle of diamonds around Uh it and the diamond chain. And if you think that sounds like the heart of the ocean from Titanic, you would be right. James Cameron definitely ripped off his like inspiration for that. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, it's like a big ass blue center diamond that looks like the heart of the ocean. But it is true that several people that owned the diamond had terrible things happen to them along the way, like uh, Marie Louise, the princess of somewhere, was killed by a mob (laughs) while she was the owner of it. Um, A Greek merchant then had it for a while and just, like, went crazy, drove over a cliff, killed himself, his wife, and his child. Okay. But the the diamond survived, and somewhere along the line... Well, nothing can hurt a diamond but a diamond, Amy. True story. (laughs) I'm just saying, unlike the heart of the ocean, it was not sunk. It was retrieved. It, It stayed in the house while he drove over the cliff. But it winds up in America in the hands of this eccentric billionaire Um, Named Evelyn Walsh McLean. And now she, like, had heard that this diamond was out there with this, like, dark curse potentially attached to it. But she wanted it. Uh She liked that. She liked that, like, lore about it. So she made her husband, whose family owned the Washington Post at the time. That's where all the money came from. Buy it for her. And then she played with it like a toy. (sighs) Like, she had a great dame and she would let him wear the Hope Diamond as a collar as he pranced around her apartment. As you do. She would have people over to her house and throw it into her swimming pool and let people dive to, like, retrieve it. Like... Oh, like like a dive stick? Like a dive stick. (laughs) Like a goddamn pool toy. This woman was treating the Hope Diamond... But, look, shit went pretty bad for her, too. Unfortunately, her son was hit by a car when he Ooh. was nine. Her husband had a mental illness and went insane and eventually died. And her daughter committed suicide later in her years. So, um, later, um, Evelyn eventually sells the diamond to a name you may know, Harry Winston. Oh, right. I love his like, work a Ameri- big fan big american diamond dude yes. like marilyn Man- monroe remember calls him out in diamonds are our girl's best friend the yeah. song talk to me harry winston. winston that's right so he gets a hold of it and he has a marketing strategy for the hope diamond in that he wants it he realizes america has no crown jewels uh-huh. we don't have anything like really beautiful that's ours so he does like a marketing situation to basically turn the hope diamond into our national treasure, which we still regard it as one today. So we kind of did like a road show with it all around America. And then eventually he did um, donate it to the Smithsonian, where it resides today. Weirdly, though, he mailed it for just postage of $2.44, and he only paid $155 in Mm -hmm. insurance. But here's the weird part. The postage delivery man's name was James Todd, and then in the year after he delivered the diamond to the Smithsonian, his leg was crushed in a truck accident, he suffered a head injury, his dog accidentally got strangled, and his (gasps) wife died. Oh, shit. So, like... Coincidence or might be a little bit of a curse on the Hope Diamonds. Now I have an article where I like just read that stuff off as fact, but actually I did find a podcast where I learned the majority of this. Yeah. And it's a podcast called Side Door, and it's run by the Smithsonian Institute. Oh, so I subscribed oh, cool. to it. Because the reason they have this project or this podcast, excuse me, is like the Smithsonian has a bunch of cool shit. Yeah, they do. So they have this podcast called Side Door. Come in through the side door and we'll tell you stories about all these relics and things that we have in our museums. I love nothing more than when like smart people are funny and clever, right? (laughs) Right? Like that's so great. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, diamonds, you guys. Diamonds are intense. Seriously? i
0: got a diamond cross, I've got my diamond earrings, I got like major milestones in my life. I mean, I think
1: I sold the only diamonds I ever owned. <laughs> Actually, I did have a little diamond ring from my grandma Lehman when I was young that I lost in lake.
0: Oh. So not good with diamonds. Not great with diamonds. Okay, we'll stick to the opals and the pearls. Opals and pearls I got. Right. I used to have aqua I had aquamarine a lot as a little kid because that's my birthstone, and I feel like that's so important. Like you kind of like tie to your birthstone, ironically enough, April baby. No. What's your birthstone? Diamond. <laughs>
1: yeah, no, diamonds are It's my like birthstone. you knew
0: that they probably had some CD practice behind them.
1: Oh, yeah, just like you, maybe one day a man will prove his love to me with a
0: diamond. Listen, I'm just looking for a man to love oh, yeah. me. How that, however that comes my way is a completely different podcast. So I think this was our Diamond Jubilee. What a yes. great way to celebrate episode 60 after a year and a half. <laughs> uh-huh. But we're not done yet. We have some more we things to not. talk about.
1: In fact, I am dying to talk to you about Podcast Pulse today.
0: Yeah. So much has been going on. So much has been you going on. You and I came home the other day and were like,
1: holy crap, I've got something to tell you. I'll wait for the show. Right. So um, some shit went down in the podcast world this week and instead of counting down the top three episodes this yeah. week, I thought we should take Podcast Pulse time to like... Talk about how we feel about it and yeah. what we think.
0: Because just imagine Joe Rogan, Conan O'Brien, and something from NPR as your top yeah, three. Yeah, sure. those, those are the top
1: three. Good I up. guessed. I bet I'm right. Fine. <laughs> um, okay, so here's what happened. There is a true crime podcast that I love and that I have covered on this show three times that I can think of right on top of my head. Yeah. And it's sort in scale. It is a Wondery-owned podcast, and we've okay. talked about we a lot Wondery. of Wondery shows over our time here on Podcast Rewind. Well, this week, Sword and Scale, one of my favorite shows. In fact, I just listened to a three-parter that uh, he put out. He being Mike Boudet, the host of Sword and Scale Um, Chris Watts, that story where the man killed his pregnant wife and $2 daughters and put them in oil barrels. Yep. Horrible, horrible. He just had a great three-parter about that, that I listened to on the plane on the way home from Michigan. Um, Dark. But he put out a seven-minute announcement on Saturday that Sword and Scale is over. Uh Oh. Um, and then I dug in a little bit deeper and found out he had posted a tweet or an Instagram. I'm not entirely sure which. I think both, actually, where he used the see you next Tuesday word. Okay. But he didn't call a woman a see you next Tuesday. He used it in the form of a joke. Frankly, it was a very bad joke. Yeah. It was an off-color joke, of course, but um, whatever. So after that, he and I will say, I have known for a while, and I've been kind of following that Mike Boudet has a lot of haters – People who think that he speaks in a sexist way on his podcast and that he is um, unpolitically correct about mental illness. And I am a regular listener of Sword and Scale. And I I know that I do not offend easily. So possibly some things went over my head, but Mm -hmm. truly I've never listened to that podcast and gone, ooh. Yeah. I know that he's very frank. I know that he uses some off-color language sometimes, specifically swear words. But I've never been like, I cannot believe you just fucking said that. Yeah. Now other people have different sensitivities than I do. Yeah. So evidently these people who are already mad at him joined up with two other Wondery Show podcast hosts, Erin Menke from Lore, who oh. we've talked about on this show. Love Lore. And uh, Rubia, I forget his last name from the Undisclosed podcast. Okay. They both came out publicly and said, our post company Wondery should get rid of Mike Bidet and Sword and Scale, Mm -hmm. evidently. Then Wondery did. So Wondery fired him. So he spit out a seven-minute podcast that I listened to today where Mike announces that Sword and Scale is over and spits out a long um, monologue, thank you, of vitriol towards what he called a culture war. So in this whole, you know, it started with me too, but, um, there has been this trend of a celebrity does something and then depending on how much the public outcries, they lose their jobs. Cancel culture. Cancel culture is, a, I know one way that you and I describe it, he was calling it a culture war, mm. um, and, you know, I don't know how I feel, and I know that just because I've not been personally offended does not mean that he is offensive. and yeah. It does not mean that he may not have had something to atone for. Yeah. Um, so he went on to say that Wondery fired him. He's taking the show to Patreon. So, you know, he's not supported by advertisers anymore. He yeah. can only be supported by those who pay per episode or whatever the setup is. Uh, but he's afraid Patreon will get the same. Um, Harassment by his haters and kick him off that platform too, and that he would have to move on. Now, it's not just Sword and Scale, actually. He has another show, Monstro, which I've been listening to. And I've been meaning to pop up here if we would ever podcast (laughs) again. (laughs) And another show called This Is War. Those are all his shows. Uh So they're all gone. We're not going to find him on Google Podcasts anymore. We're not going to find him on Stitcher. We'd have to go pay on Patreon to listen to any content that he continues. But, you know, I I thought that he probably did his seven-minute announcement when he was still a little emotionally hot. Yeah. Because he definitely came across angry and a little scary. Uh Uh-huh. And definitely called out his ex-colleagues, Aaron Menke and Rubia, which I just don't feel is a great idea. It's just not a good look. But I do think he had some good points about this cancel culture and... um, You know, I wonder when we have gone too far. I think we've done some really good things like, you know, um, Mute R. Kelly movement. Sure. We got that mob together and now, like, R. Kelly doesn't stream anymore and they don't play him on the radio. And what he did was so atrocious. You know, we're going to see what happens after leaving Neverland and the the streaming and listening and enjoying Michael Jackson's music anymore. It's yet to be seen, but there's going to be conversation about it. But, you know, this is um, a very light, I don't know. I've always been saying since the beginning of Me Too that there has to be some weight here. Yep. As far as cancel culture goes, like it's it's worse to rape children than it is to make off-color jokes. It of just course. is. It just is. We so have to recognize worse that. Than the other. There's always a worser of the two. Right, but we're in this new phase, and we definitely, as a society, have not figured out how to judge And there is no due process. No. It is cancel culture, like you said. What do you think? I've heard about it a lot, the
0: whole cancel culture concept. Because I listened to the morning toast, which was the morning breath. Right. They got canceled last year because their mother is a radical right-winger. And in their high school days, they said some nasty things on Twitter. They got completely canceled from culture, was able to start back up again, really to speak their truth. And I know you won't listen to them because of those kinds, of, and you also didn't like their format, I but didn't then, like them anyway. You, but it was easy to clip into. The, uh-huh. Oh, they did bad things, so here, I'm, I'm going to keep going. You're out. Yeah, yeah. But right. who's to say a 15 year old tweeting is less or worse than a grown man saying something inappropriate in today's society? I think that there's a thought of okay, where's, right. where's the leniency of what you did 10 years ago when things were a different landscape versus what you did last week? Last week, you knew better. Ten years ago, you may not have known better. I think that there's a timeline to the cancel culture. If you think in today's climate you can say anything, inappropriate, derogatory, racist, homophobic, etc., then you don't understand what's going on right now and you don't deserve a platform and a mic. But if it was ten years ago and I didn't know you and you aren't that person anymore, then okay, I can give you some leniency. When you prove to me this is who you are, Oprah, back to Oprah. Trust people when they tell you who they are. Right. And if it's inappropriate now, how do I know what more you're going to do in today's day and age? If you know what's going on, you know better today. Right.
1: We have found this weird way of convicting people of things without judge and jury. Uh-huh. And I, in some ways, I don't like Roseanne Barr being canceled after what she did, I agreed with, but maybe I need to step back and think about a bigger picture, Yeah, you know, like. She didn't commit any crime, so she's not going to be processed by the judicial system. Yeah. But just as a society, we've started this kind of an- it's anarchy, isn't it? Yeah. Of just like deciding by majority and by mob mentality who gets fired and who keeps their job and who
0: it's a court of public opinion. Yeah, but and it's know? also
1: like, but we have to regulate ourselves at some point we and like do. figure out a process to this. We do,
0: but also. I just I understand having your own opinions and being upset about something and wanting to take to Twitter, but like, if you're that person that can do that, should you have a platform like work on yourself internally, recognize what shouldn't shouldn't go out to the internet. The
1: internet is forever, and if you don't know the internet is forever, you don't get Twitter. Now that's a great thing. That's I don't know why anybody with any sort of public platform has not realized to watch your shit on social media yet. Like, right. why are we still having social media? I mean, blunders, the only person
0: that can really still tweet to this day, I think, is Chrissy Teigen. She does nothing, do you know what I mean? And she alone should be judge and jury of who's canceled and who's not. 100%. Case. I read a full thread the other day about her and John fighting over Totino's pizza.
1: But like...
0: All right. On that note, I feel like we've wrapped up podcast balls. I think it's an interesting conversation. And I think, we too, should and I'd love to come having. back to it and, you know, maybe deep dive into the concept of cancel culture. Yeah. You know what? Let's put that on the list for fucking sure. For sure. Episode 61. Hope Amy Sparing didn't put you off. Do not cancel us. Do not cancel. But speaking of what does need to be canceled, I want to quickly, we are getting a little long here, so we'll go quick on our recaps and pop-ups, but mine this week is a full series called Uncover. Okay. Amy, I shared this with you a couple weeks ago. Um, I listened to season one. There are season two. There are two seasons out for Uncover right now, but season one was Escaping Nexium. Oh, now yes. Nexium is to, oh, spelled N X I V M, and this is hosted sure. by John Blo- Josh Block from CBC. Doc- CBC, I think it's Canadian Broadcast Channel. Uh,
1: yes, or company, or company, or, or something. No, He's no, a
0: documentary no. Up North. Yeah. So he kind of runs oh, yeah. into a friend from high school, Sarah. And is like, hey, I haven't seen you in forever. What's going on? And she's like, just escaped a cult. And he was like, what? (laughs) Oh, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yada, 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 yada. Yada, yada. Yada, yada, yada. escaped a cult. And he's like, oh, my God, I do documentaries. Like, oh, my God, we should talk. And we are talking eight episodes all about Keith Ranieri and this whole Nexium, Scientological, multi level marketing self help guru that had a bizarre offshoot that was called. Dosh. it was a secret club within Nexia where the women were branded and weird sexual slaves to keep but were then also slaves for each other yes. whether it was getting laundry or you know running errands it's bizarre and insane and celebrities and are involved there is a celebrity uh i mean Two. Uh, Who's the, and I know the D-list girl from Smallville.
1: Right. And then um, a soap star's daughter. So she herself is not a celebrity, but her mother okay. is. I saw her on Dr. Phil. <laughs> Mr. Phil. Um, it's just a PhD.
0: <laughs> but anyway, Sarah almost takes down him, kind of on her own. Good for her. Working with Josh and, you know, newspapers in America. It is so important to listen to this, how you can be sucked into these MLM kind of world and not see outside of yourself and not recognize the relationships you're ruining and with yourself and your children
1: and your family. It was so good. I was so glad it was an older podcast that yes. I could binge it. I am so glad that you just reminded me of that because you texted me about it when I was gone and I knew that I was like missing something. Uh-huh. So now I can put it on my list. It was great. I have a papa. Yeah. I have a podcast series series that I'm loving um, it's a 13-parter that just was released last fall, so I'm just finding it, but it is called Fatal Voyage, The Mysterious Death of Natalie Wood. <gasps> yes. That is- so we all know Natalie Wood was a, a Hollywood star back in the 50s, 60s, and she um, drowned off the side of her own boat She was married to Robert Robert Wagner. Uh He was on board. Christopher Walken was on board. And the boat's captain was on board. And all three men of the survived, but all three of the men survived. But Natalie fell off and drowned. There has been mystery around it ever since. That's a huge one. A huge mystery. I think a criminal case was reopened last year-ish, which is probably where the interest in this podcast um being created spun up. Yeah. But I'm only in episode 5, so I still have quite a few to go, but I will say it starts at Natalie's early life cool. and goes through her very abusive stage mother Ooh. and the horrible things she would do to her, um the troubles Natalie had on set, you know, like she claims that she was raped casting couch style oh. by a producer at one point. Um, But she never claimed that out loud or, like, asked for prosecution, of course. It's just her inner circle is speaking now and and revealing these things. Um, I didn't know that she was married to Robert Wagner and they got divorced. She married somebody else and then she and Robert Wagner both divorced their second partners and got remarried. So they were married for the second time when she died. Oh, wow. There's all sorts of conspiracies, conspiracies about what happened that night. Um, Robert Wagner and Christopher Walken are still alive and just Very much. do not talk about it. So like, oh my God, you guys, true crime, Hollywood, sex, money, everything. Nice. Momagers, <laughs> it's all in this podcast. I'm loving it. I cannot wait to continue listening to it. Very I, good. Come along with me. Yeah, that sounds really good. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: All right, well, I think... We've done it to it. I think we've got the rust out of the pipes. I think we've, <laughs> we've used the any pipes metaphor up. we could figure out. We drink some beers. Sure. We shone bright like a diamond. Mm-hmm. And we are so glad to be on the mic with you guys all again this
1: week yes it's been a great return thank you for your patience while we were gone we will be back next week with episode 61 um you guys do not forget instagram twitter podcast rwd we haven't been putting out new um content so much because we haven't done a podcast. but <laughs> we're gonna be back for you we cannot wait to re-engage and so you guys have a great week listen to some reggae and do not forget be kind and rewind bye guys so Bye.